All right, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Foles. All right, Nick, thank you for being here. Is this your first time at Mariner's Church? First time, first time. That's not true at all. Not Nick, true. What, where's your home church? This is my home church. So everyone who's excited that I'm here, I actually usually sit here on, on Saturdays. I just have a little bit different disguise sometimes. So This is not his first men's breakfast. Uh, he actually was here last men's breakfast, but y'all didn't know it, and you could have said hi to him. But he's really good at disguising. Well, so, Nick, um, tell me, who is your favorite pastor at Mariner's Church? Yeah. There's so many here. Um, you know. Uh, no. Wrong answer. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Got to go with Tim. He's up here next to me. I don't want any, you know, hard feelings here. But, you know. He has to say that because I'm right here. Geiger Fields are coming up right behind him. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good group here. Awesome. So you're, you're, you're local in Orange County when you're not in season. So where is your favorite place to eat in Orange County? You weren't expecting these tough questions. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, you know what? We have, I have a, my dad uh, created a restaurant here. It's called Hop Dotty Burger Bar. So we go there a lot. It's actually from Austin. Um, the one in Austin on, on Congress is like unreal. The one here is good, but the, the culture in Austin, I like that one, but I gotta go with that one. That's a safe bet. Just in case my dad saw this somehow, <laughs> dad is trying to, I'm proud of you. He's 73, just continues to create, never going to stop. So proud of him. So actually several years ago, I got to interview you, um, at the men's breakfast up in the upper room. And I think you were just just heading to the Chiefs, I believe. Or right, after. or right after? I don't remember. I think it was right after, but it's right been after. a while. It's been a while. So has there, any, has there been any exciting things in your football career since then? It's been pretty boring. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, last time we were here, it was right after um, my experience in St. Louis where, you know, I lost the joy of playing football, and I was 100% going to step away from the game and felt peace with that. Um, my wife and family members, you know, it was tough. I remember calling my dad and my father-in-law and just telling them, like, I'm no longer going to play football. And that, that's really tough because I know that seeing them, like, after games is the most special moment. Getting to hug my dad and my father-in-law, no matter what, is something that means the world. Like, my father-in-law probably has watched the Super Bowl 100 times. He knows the game more than I do. And, uh, you know, and his whole family, both his sons and his daughter, all D, uh, college athletes, all scholarship athletes. So, but you would never know with how he acts. But he loves sports. Um, so ended up going to Kansas City to be with Coach Reed, and it sort of brought the joy of the game back. And then, you know, ended up in Philly. And as we know, it, it went all right. I'm not familiar. So would you talk a little bit about what happened in Philadelphia? Yeah, so when we were in Kansas City, um, my wife and I, honestly, like, after that season, we loved it so much. It was the first time in my career, like, I never thought I could be a backup quarterback. I'd always been on the front lines, always played, um, and I just never thought I could do that. And I realized that God needed to work something inside of me to allow, hey, it's not about you starting, it's not about your role. And that's been a part of the, the testimony is I say, it doesn't matter if I'm on the first, second, or third string, like, my identity has to be in something else beside that placement. And I see that issue in quarterback rooms all the time where the hunger is just for that placement of being the starting quarterback. Um, but we ended up 
Kansas City didn't take my option, so we were a free agent, and we ended up back in Philadelphia. And the big reason we went back to Philadelphia was my wife was pregnant with our daughter, Lily, who's now going to be, she'll be three in June. So we wanted to be in a familiar community that we knew and loved, and Philadelphia has always been that for us. So we ended up going back there for those reasons. Well, you know, the people in the locker room, the people in the city, the community, and um, ended up being a, a blessing. Uh, what about a specific game that you continue to not answer? Uh, <laughs> There was this one particular game where you were starting, and it went pretty well. Can you talk about that game? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'll start with another one. If there are Eagles fans in here, we'll go back. So at the end of the season, I know I've seen some swag, so that's sweet. Um, so, and this is a part of the story. So at the, obviously Carson had unfortunately gotten hurt, and then I had to step in in that role, and um, you know we we ended up winning a couple games, and then. Sort of struggled against Oakland on Christmas Day. Um, <laughs> Philly fans weren't very happy with me. And then against Dallas, I played two quarters or a quarter and threw a pick into cover two. They hated me. Um, so all I heard was, man, this dude's going to ruin it for us. Uh, even our, our GM, to give us hunger, put all these little postings about how we were like the, we were a good team and now we're a bad team. Like, I, I would try to go to the restroom. Like, that's like the only place you have in the facility where you just, I'm going to take 10 minutes just to myself. <laughs> and I look to the left, and we have it on the wall in the restroom. I'm like, golly. But anyway, what you're getting at is this is where the blessing and I talk about how important it is to have an amazing culture, amazing coaches, amazing leadership. Um, Philadelphia, we had that. We had an amazing locker room that never doubted me. Coaches that continued to work, and we had a bye week where it allowed Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, um, to watch film of my, my history um, in the NFL to figure out what we need to do. And Frank Wright put together, who's now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, um, 150 play cut up of me and said, we've gone about this all wrong. I was running Carson's version of the offense. We need to get a read, react, and let you just sling it. So they put together this offense where I was really comfortable. And then we played Atlanta, and I started getting more comfortable. Then we played Minnesota, and we just exploded in that game. And then we played in the Super Bowl, and that's probably what the game. Yeah, that's what I was it. referring to. Um, I thought you were talking about the Cowboys game where I struggled. No, no, okay, no. got it. We can um, talk about that. No, and, and the Super Bowl, and I'll spend a little bit of time on this because this is important because everyone always asks, what were you thinking in the Super Bowl? Like, you look so calm. Even Doug Peterson said some things where it's like it freaked him out. And uh, I'll say this. Before the game, well, so leading up to the Super Bowl, there's a lot of opportunity to be marketed. Like, my agent had called. My marketing agent was like, hey, we had a 30-minute conversation and said, hey, these are the companies you want to work with. Here's the dollar amount. Here's what you have to do. I listened to him. as a Friday night before the week of the Super Bowl. My wife and I just got back from a date night in Philadelphia. So I listened very politely, and it's amazing. You're playing the Super Bowl. You're a quarterback. You're going to have great opportunities. And after a 30-minute conversation, I said, Austin, say politely no to every single one. And my wife looked at me like, are you serious? And I said, say no. The most important thing right now is focusing on this game, and I don't need to think about what headphones to wear or what shoes to wear. I just want to beat the Patriots with my teammates. I do not care about any of those things. So I say that because that's very important. I'm not, not as humble as you think. I'll get back to that later. Um, 
So the grind before Super Bowl is like the craziest grind of football I've ever been through. You just want to play the game by the end of it. Plus, we're freezing our butts off in Minnesota. Thank goodness it was in a dome. Um, but before the game, I remember looking across at Tom and Belichick, because that's who everyone's going to talk about. And you're just like, dang, we're about to play the Patriots. There's Tom, there's Belichick. And that was the last time I thought about those two the rest of the game, because Tom doesn't play defense. I didn't really care. Um, <laughs> But you want to you ask yourself, and you know, my prayer that whole week was, God, I pray, I pray that I glorify you with how I play. I pray that I play with boldness and without fear, because I know fear doesn't come from you. And I pray that I just play in your presence throughout the game. And throughout the game, I've never had a game, and probably will never. I hope I have a game like that again, where the amount of calmness and just peace and just having conversation with God, not about the success of the game, but about glorifying Him in that moment to impact my teammates was like nothing I'd ever experienced in what should have been the most stressful time of my entire life. And, you know, that's something that I'm so proud of the guys in Philadelphia because the moment we were allowed to, you know, go up there and hoist a trophy, there were so many that were able to profess Christ on that platform, which is what you, you dream of doing. And then the biggest punchline that I, I tell men, I tell women, I tell kids is I've been allowed to play in the NFL um, to use the platform to glorify God. I've been able to hoist the trophy. I've been able to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. All these amazing things while doing it in an amazing city like Philadelphia. It had never been done before. But my identity when I hoisted that trophy was not in the trophy, but it was in Christ. And I felt that in that moment. And it won't be the trophy that was the most amazing moment. It will be knowing on that stage about the hoisted trophy, holding Lily. I remember sitting back and saying, I don't even need the hoisted trophy to be fulfilled in Christ. And and I'm wrapping it up because I know you have more questions. Um, now, I hoist the trophy because it's a great representation of what was done with a great community of different people. So don't get me wrong. Hoisting a trophy is an amazing honor. Um, and this is where I'm getting back to the, the beginning part where you are applauded about the marketing stuff. So uh, after the game... Go to the after party. It was only there quickly because there was a ton of selfies. I just wanted to be with family. They were at the hotel. So I went to spend time with my family. Um, ironically enough, did not drink that night because it was like 3 a.m. And we had kombucha because we had it on tap because I knew I had to get up at like 7 a.m. for a press conference. So I wanted to be able to think somewhat, which I still couldn't. I, I was exhausted. But my marketing agent is like, he's like, you know, he's happy that we won. But he's like, man, like, we had all these do you not want to do these anymore? I was like, no, now we can like talk about it. It's over. Let's talk. So I didn't want y'all not to know that part. So, but we worked with companies that I, I respect their vision. So I don't do something if I don't respect their vision. That's good. Thanks, Nick. Specifically in the Super Bowl, what was it like beating Tom Brady? <laughs> I didn't say the questions would be easy. Um, well, played the Patriots. Tom was just a quarterback. He's pretty good. Um, I think the big thing is when you're in that situation, everyone made it like a David Goliath thing. Um, you know, Tom and Belichick and the Patriots, um, they've been an anomaly in the NFL for a long time. It's very unique how they do it, but they, they own their culture. And they have a unique culture. Philadelphia had a unique culture. And I think being able to play against the best on that stage when no one thought you would win that game, uh, that's what you dream of as a kid. And... To go through that with the, the group of men I was allowed to go through that with was, was something that I will always remember and always be so special because there's nothing like 
stepping into a huddle with guys you genuinely love and care about, and you have to go on a two-minute drive to win the game, and you have to convert fourth downs. Like, if you've ever played football, you know doing any of that's very difficult. But to see, like, be in that huddle with those men and to see the confidence that all of us had in each other, but also the love. Like, it, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, and our team embraced that. And that's what was so unique about that team that year was just the amount of love from the ownership, the GMs, the decision makers, the coaches, the players, the janitors, the equipment guys, the trainers, the chefs. It wasn't just players. It took literally every single person in that facility doing their job. And then afterwards, we all got to enjoy it together, which was really special. That was awesome. So a couple of weeks ago, you and I were playing football. We were playing catch, and I, I threw you a pass. Was that as awesome as the Phillies special <laughs> during the game? It, Which one was better? Be honest. Yours was better. That's was what amazing. I thought. Yeah. No, but when he leaves, I'll tell the truth. But yeah, yeah. Uh, no, talk about that play for a minute because it was pretty unique and pretty exciting to watch. Yeah. Share a little bit about that. So Philly special was a play we had in for the whole playoff, um, leading up to the playoffs, Atlanta game, Minnesota. We were actually going to run it in the Minnesota game, um, but Doug and I talked, and we were we were up by like 21 or something at the time. And we said, no, nah, just we don't need it. The Philly would have gone crazy, but I was like, let's just save it. And then I ended up, we run it, ran another play um, where Alshon was in motion, and I hit him in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. So it worked out anyway. Um, but the Philly special, it took a lot of time to perfect that, the acting and everything. And then the situation during the game being fourth down right before half. Um, and I, I share this, um, and Doug wouldn't be happy with me, but and Coach Peterson's the head coach in Philly, but I love him to death. He called a play that I couldn't believe he called right before that, and we called timeout. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but I think because of that, it triggered something inside of me. All right, Philly special. Like, and I ran over there, and I was sort of, I guess, in the zone because I called it Philly Philly. So Philadelphia has two trademarks now because of me, so congrats. Um, nah, but... It was just one of those moments where you're, you're in it, you don't realize what the play will represent or if it will represent anything. You just know that this is the play that needs to be run to give us the greatest chance to score at this time, to give us a chance to beat the Patriots. And it, it did its thing and got us momentum going in the half. And um, it was one of the greatest battles in probably Super Bowl history. So one of the things that I admire about you is your walk with Jesus. And so I'd love for the guys to hear a little bit about um, how you've stayed humble and focused on Jesus throughout all of the ups and downs of your, of your football career and even your life. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a young man. I'm 31. I do not have anything figured out. Um, God continues to work on my heart every single day through trials, through successes. And I realized looking back at my mindset when I was younger, like how cocky and how I thought, how, thought I had it all together. Like if you look back at us, like I'm sure there's so many stories of high school, like I did this, that. Like, trust me, I'm the same way. But as God's allowed me to go through this like up and down journey, the constant has always been like just lean on me and it's all about glorifying me. It's like anytime like I feel like a little pride going in, I like have to check myself and say, like, God, this isn't about me. And there's things that, you know, he's allowed to happen in my life. And an example is this last year. You know, I went Philadelphia, won a Super Bowl. I knew, hey, God, I'm standing in your word. I'm trusting you because I, I know what happens once you have success. We get complacent. I'm not going to get complacent. And then, you know, the next year in Philadelphia, everything that happened, and then went to Jacksonville. And then it was a time where, you know, 
is a very unique free agent, and we had an opportunity to go to Jacksonville to lead a culture really for the first time in a long time. And you go there, and you're like, all right, this is a great opportunity. Um, we are blessed for them to sign us to our deal, all these different things. So we're like, we're going to be a good steward with this. But we had no clue what we had in store going into this year. It was the, I would say, the most growth that's ever happened in, in my wife and I's life was this last season. And now we're in a restoration period right now. But, you know, we went there. We moved our family. Um, you know, you're developing a culture where there really hasn't been a culture. Um, you're, you know, my wife and I went through a miscarriage. Uh, she was 15 weeks pregnant, and we, we went through that. She got pneumonia of the blood and almost went septic. So that was gut-wrenching, if any of y'all have ever gone through that. But it allowed us to find joy in Christ through that because though your heart's broken, you still have that faith in Christ. The next week, and no one knows this because it was too crazy, my, my daughter, Lily, got extremely sick and was in the ER or in the children's hospital for three days, like right when Tori had gotten home from me in the hospital, like almost like the next day, she, Lily's in the children's hospital. So I'm staying at the children's hospital and then having to go to practice during off-season training. So there was all these things, and then the season happened, injury and all that. It was just this roller coaster to where a lot of us think, like, man, you know, I'm going to be a good steward. I'm going to follow you. Like, following Christ doesn't mean you're going to be at the pinnacle where you win a Super Bowl. Following Christ and being able to pro proclaim your faith and share the gospel is a lot of times in the valley and the trenches because people are going to – it's easy to be up here and say, I, I love you, Jesus, just won the Super Bowl. It's extremely hard to continue to find that joy and glorify God when you're down here. And that's what I got to experience, and it wasn't easy. There was days where I would get frustrated because my flesh started taking over. Um, there was days where um, that struggle was so real, but I continued to lean on him and grow through his word. But like Tim and I had talked about this, one of the most important things is like having those men's, like a, be in a men's group. It is so important to be in a group of people to go through life because I would, there's men that I have that I, I lean on. So I would call my buddy Chris Maragos, every week on the way home, and we would talk for like 45 minutes because he had a career-ending injury, amazing special teams player. We would talk through what he was going through. I would talk through what I was going through. We would help each other in the spirit. We had a men's Bible study, so I was able to do that. Men in the locker room. So having that was an amazing part of this season. And now, you know, we're in that, like I said, restoration period where just continually on Lord, and we don't know what's going to happen next, but we know with whatever happens, being obedient and glorifying God with it is the only thing. So that's awesome. So can you just share kind of closing, like any, any encouragement, which you kind of already have been doing, any encouragement or inspiration to us? Uh, as, as, as you're going through all this crazy kind of trust in the Lord season and desert season, any inspiration for us? Yeah, I think that this is amazing. Um, we were just talking, you know, backstage about how it's um, all these men are. This is as big as a congregation. Like, it's amazing to have all these men here wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have this community. This is so important because Orange County, as we know, needs the gospel and needs. But not, not only that, like. It's, we should have fruits from the Holy Spirit of, you know, who we are as Christ. It's, it's not enough to, you know, go to church and then just not do anything with it. You know, serving, sharing the gospel, and representing Christ. Like, we shouldn't have to... There's times where, like, I take off my bracelet just because I'm like, you know, people need to know that I love the Lord without me, like, having it on my wrist. But I wear it on my throwing wrist because whenever there's pictures taken, I want them to know, like, I'm a follower of Christ. And then I want my actions to show even more so how much I love the Lord. And I would just, um, 
the hope I would say is like, you know, constantly be in the word and then live out the word. Because it's one of those things where if you exercise and then you don't do anything, like what are you, what are you doing? The word's going to fill you up. But what I've noticed is when you go out there and you like live it and you serve and you love others and you share the gospel, that spirit starts growing like crazy. But then also be smart and have that restoration time. And, you know, I'm honestly honored to be a part of this church, a part of this community. And I'm, I'm honored that, you know, Tim has allowed me to speak. Um, so thank you all for having me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next speaker right here. That's, I was, I'm so, uh, trying to get through it, so I'm listening to this man right down here. Awesome. Let's put it up for Nick. Um, we're not done. Sit down. We're not done. We're not Uh, I thought it'd be great if you would extend a hand, and let's pray for Nick. Father God, thank you for this man, that you've given him a platform to just glorify you, Jesus. And, and he's done an amazing job doing that. Would you continue to bless him, strengthen him, and God, that he would trust you in this season of kind of unknowing what's next. So we pray that you would go before him, that you would bless him and his family, and just thank you for his his love for you and the way that he shared this morning that I know I'm inspired. So God, we just pray that you would go before him, bless him, and we thank you for the life that you've given him. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Hold on. Actually, Nick, I forgot about this. Because we weren't sure if Nick has done enough throws in the off season, we're going to uh, throw some signed Nick Foles football into the audience. In case, just be careful. Ooh, that's, that's deep. That's out the door. Oh, 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 oh. There it is. Now, this one is not foam, Nick. Don't hurt anyone. So please be prepared. Let's go. Maybe. Okay. Lord Jesus. Yes. Awesome. All that right, that's like thank Nick Foles for being here. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>